And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 63, I believe, of Carson Sack Podcast. We have a extremely straightforward episode for you this week. We've got college football talk. The first initial college football playoff rankings came out last night, Tuesday. I'm recording this on Wednesday, so last night. Going to talk about that a little bit. Not really a whole lot to say about that. So much can and probably will change by the time the actual college football playoff rolls around that it's not, shouldn't read too much into it. There was a pretty okay night in college basketball last night. Gonna talk a little bit about that at the end of the show and we have NFL talk as always. So before we dive into all that, I do need to remind you all as always to like, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you do listen to this podcast. It is greatly appreciated and does not go unnoticed, so thank you all very much for doing that. A couple more updates. Going to be doing the mail sack next week, so keep your eyes peeled on my Snapchat and Instagram for your chance to send in your listener questions. So let's get right into it right now. Let's talk a little college football, break down the rankings, and look ahead to the week that is about to happen. Let's start at 16 and work our way back. Just I'll read off the top 25 just so you have it. Um, from 25 down to 16, you have SMU, Navy, Oklahoma State with three losses. Oof. Boise State, Memphis, Cincinnati, Wake Forest, Iowa, and then Minnesota, uh, undefeated, is 17. Then going to 16 to number 11, you have Kansas State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Wisconsin, Baylor, and Auburn. I don't really have much of an issue with anything they did there. Uh, Kansas State coming in at 16 with their big win against Oklahoma a couple weeks ago, and that offense looking pretty good. Notre Dame... Middle of the pack, pretty much looking as pedestrian as possible. Michigan, I think, is getting a lot of votes because of how they've looked in recent weeks. Overall, I'm not super impressed with them. Wisconsin, I thought, might have been a little bit higher, but the way they did lose at Ohio State probably didn't help their case at all. Baylor undefeated at 12. I can respect that. Auburn, their two losses, I think they're getting... A lot of credit for how they played in those, and I think the win over Oregon to start the year is also playing a factor into it. Florida, their two losses are pretty good losses, so that's going to keep them in the top 10. We go down now 10 to number 6. Florida at 10, Oklahoma at 9, which I was a little surprised about because I thought they would be probably 7 or so just because of... Well, I thought they'd be higher than Georgia, 
but apparently not. Um, continuing down, Utah is at 8, Oregon is at 7. That is shaping up to be the Pac-12 championship game. And those two teams, you can't rule either of them out for the playoff just yet because of how things might shake out. And this podcaster right here, Hill thinks Oregon, from the start of the year, is going to make the college football playoff. So Oregon, the Ducks, are in pretty good shape. And then six was Georgia with that one loss against South Carolina, where I guess they're putting a premium on the Notre Dame win for Georgia. And Georgia really hasn't played their best game yet this year and if they have I guess you could say it was the Notre Dame game but that's still if if that was their best game that's a bit concerning um continuing on at five I guess this is the surprise here but the way that I've I've come to understand is if they win out and the rest of these teams are still gonna have to play each other that are in the top four Clemson will be fine, but Clemson, the reigning national champion, comes in at number five in the initial college football playoff rankings. Then you have Penn State at four, Alabama at three, LSU at two, and Ohio State at one. There's only a couple thoughts I really have here, and it's not even really that important. But it's, as speaking from an Ohio State fan's perspective, it's extremely nice to be recognized as the best team in college football um, anytime, especially when it's in a committee format like this, but it means absolutely nothing, honestly. Just go out, win the rest of your games, and everything will, every other thing will take care of itself. That's fine. I think that's the message that all four of those teams in the top, well, five, really are going to be preaching, but... Um, what pisses me off about the committee and this whole college football playoff ranking system is each year, uh, it seems that the criteria and what the committee values the most seems to change. A couple years ago, it was the out of conference games and how you did against those this year. I guess, um, it's been stressed about the eye test and to me, I think LSU has, better wins than what Ohio State has. I would have had LSU as the number one team. And that's that's not me trying to like downplay what Ohio State has done either because against Wisconsin, 13th in the country, and then Cincinnati, 20th in the country, they won both of those games handedly, very easily, uh, two top 25 wins. But then you look at LSU and... What they did, I mean, they beat Texas, who I understand they're not in the top 25 right now, but probably will be by the end of the year. And then they beat Florida as well. And they still, that sets them up for a game of the year, what everybody's pegging it as this year um, when they go to Alabama this weekend. But, excuse me, I would like some consistency really that's the biggest message I have right now from this college football playoff ranking so far is each year when everything changes pretty much what it seems like what the committee is looking for and what they put their emphasis on it's pretty difficult to have any transparency of what teams need to do obviously if you're a team and you just win every game it's going to be hard to keep you out but when Teams go and they schedule these tough non-conference opponents uh, to start the year and then they lose and there's not a precedent and a 
I want to say, stock put into that by the committee, then it's a little concerning, and it says, well, why wouldn't we just go out and schedule some bullshit teams like Alabama does? Or, like, well, I wouldn't say Clemson because they did go out of their way to schedule uh, Texas A&M for two years in a row, even though they don't find themselves in the top 25 right now. But just more consistency from the committee on what they are looking for is all all I really ask for going forward. Um, again, overall, I don't think it's anything to overreact anywhere what you're ranked right now because as, we, as we've seen in the past in the first year of these college football playoffs, Ohio State was 16th with one loss after the first rankings were done and they ended up winning the entire thing. So, again, take everything that the committee and these rankings with a grain of salt right now because things are going to change and hopefully there is some chaos that's going to be Pretty interesting to see how they handle things after this weekend and in a couple weeks. So uh, stick with it, obviously. But until really, I would say the second, the last week of the season and the uh, conference championship game weekend, then that's when you really need to start having everything lined up and have your I's dotted and T's crossed. Moving on from the rankings to the actual games that are going to be taking place. This week, uh, one game that I do want to talk about on Friday night, you have Washington 5-4 and four on the year going to Oregon State 4-4 four and four on the year. Um, this has no actual effects on the rankings whatsoever, but I think Oregon State actually is going to go out and win this game. Their team's much improved from last year. Washington has been a disappointment consistently this year uh, Jacob Eason is getting a lot of buzz for being a pro quarterback and all this other stuff but I just don't see what everybody is super excited about I've been behind Washington in a few games this year and thought they had a chance to win some certain games and improve the record but they just haven't done it so I'm gonna go with Oregon State over Washington Moving to Saturday, you have Maryland going to Ohio State, where Ohio State is a 43.5-point favorite. I don't uh, really have much to say about this one. Uh, Maryland, it was close last year. Maryland started the year off extremely well. Um, They can score, but ultimately I don't think they're going to be able to stop anything Ohio State has, and I think the things will find its middle, and maybe Maryland can put up a few points here and there, but ultimately Ohio State, the better team, ends up winning. Moving on next, you have Tennessee going to Kentucky at night game. Both of these teams turning upwards right now, and things look to be getting better for both these teams, especially after Tennessee with the way they started this season. Um, in this series, the last couple of years, whoever the home team is ends up winning the game, and I think that trend's going to continue. I think Kentucky and Lynn Bowden are going to be able to make enough plays on offense. <clears throat> and Kentucky's defense has looked and been improving a lot in the past couple of weeks, so I think Kentucky is able to beat Tennessee this week to get back into a winning record. Next, one of the more 
sneaky important games of this week. You have Penn State, fourth in the country, going to Minnesota. Um, I honestly think Minnesota is going to get exposed in this. I don't think their defense is good enough and their offense can't really hang with Penn State. Penn State's offense is big play oriented, and I think they're going to be able to get those at will against Minnesota. Um, Right now, the spread's Penn State 7. Again, every week I sort of bring up a spread here or there, and I like to emphasize that this is not a gambling podcast, but um, 7 at Penn State seems very generous. I am uh, going to be all in on Penn State to really just go to Minnesota and dog walk the Gophers. Next, you have Baylor, 12th in the country, going to TCU. TCU has shown this year they are able to compete against um, what I guess you could say is better teams, beating Texas. Baylor, though, I think is going to be able to go on the road here into a tough environment against uh, always well-coached team in TCU with uh, Gary Patterson and get a hard-fought Big, big 12 win. So I'm going to go with the Bears over the Horn Frogs. Moving on, let's see what we got. Um, okay, we can just jump right into this, I guess. Um, at 3.30, you have LSU second in the country going to Alabama third in the country. LSU has, in my opinion, looked like the best team all year. Um... Alabama this year has not, okay, I take this statement I was going to say, has not really impressed me, but watching that Duke game and just seeing how much faster and everything their skill position players were, and then the Ole Miss game that they played earlier, and um, their one receiver going off for four or five touchdowns, that was impressive. It's hard to bet against, pick against Saban and Alabama, in Tuscaloosa um, for a huge game. Um, they're going to get Tua back. All signs are pointing to that. Um, on the year, 27 touchdowns, only two interceptions. On the other side, Joe Burrow for LSU, 30 touchdowns and only four interceptions. And Tua has looked good. The receivers have looked good. But outside of that, Alabama's team... The rest of the team hasn't looked Alabama-esque, um, not to the standard that really they've established the last couple years. Um, what better day and way to show up that they are um, well, They are as good as advertised. Again, they've not really played anybody so far this year. It's going to be the biggest game for Alabama so far this year. Uh, you look at LSU, they've already had two good, close, tough games. One going on the road to Texas, and I understand Texas wasn't as advertised this year, but if you were able to go on the road and beat a team with that type of firepower and stuff and hostile environment like in Texas is, that speaks to something. So, again, as how I said that it is a little difficult to pick against Alabama, I am going to end up doing that. I think LSU goes into Tuscaloosa and by a very modest four points is able to get the victory over Alabama. And that will send um, fucking chaos into the college football playoff rankings. Next, you have Kansas State going to Texas. I'm going to take Texas in this one. I think they're just, they're due, and I this is technically an upset. 
but I think Texas is going to be playing sort of a carbon copy of themselves in Kansas State, and I think they'll be able and understand to know how to be able to stop them. So I'm going to go with Texas over Kansas State. Um, keeping it local, you have Louisville going to Miami. Miami is a six and a half point favorite, and I have no idea why. Um, Louisville is the better team. They're better coached. Um, they're more sound on both sides of the ball. I'm going to go with Louisville over Miami, and a which is incredible to say, but an Orange Bowl berth for the Louisville Cardinals is not out of the question. So don't. Obviously, that's getting some buzz around the 502 area right now, but not out of the question. Next, you have Iowa going to Wisconsin. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to have himself a field day and a huge game, and Wisconsin is going to beat Iowa uh, pretty handedly. I think Wisconsin's pretty pissed off from the past couple weeks, and they're going to end up just really putting the boots to Iowa. Yeah, they're uh let's let's look and see. Okay, Iowa State goes to Oklahoma. Iowa State was supposed to be a lot better than they are this year, and I think Oklahoma really unfortunately they did lose to Kansas State, but that I think was the wake up call this team needed and they got and I think Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb and the rest of that team shows up and puts up big numbers and a big day against Iowa State in a win. And then Sneaky good game, sneaky important game for me as a big supporter of this team as the best non-Power 5 team in the country. Wyoming goes to Boise State. Wyoming beat Missouri earlier this year. Boise State coming off a close game last week against San Jose State. I'm going to go with Boise State, obviously, but it's going to be a fun, good game. It's a 10-15 game, so if you're not doing anything Saturday night, whatever, just Tune in. You, you might like it. You just might like it. So I'm going to go with Boise State over Wyoming. We now switch our focus to the NFL, and I'm just going to get right into this week, week 10. On Thursday night, you have the Chargers going to the Raiders. The Chargers defense playing exceptionally well against the Packers last week. The Raiders finally after, I think, I think six games in a row, from not being at home, they finally get a home game. I'm going to go with the Raiders over the Chargers in this one. I think the Raiders are going to give their fans um, a very happy welcoming home present. And the Chargers, I I don't like their offense at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't like their offense at all. But that defense is going to be able to give the Raiders a little bit of some issues, but in the end, I think Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs make enough plays and the Raiders do end up winning. On Sunday, the Bills go to the Browns, and this now becomes what last week was for the Browns, another must-win game. Uh, The Bills' defense is very good and will probably give the Browns some trouble, but hopefully, (laughs) I say this hopefully because it's, all, all we can do right now is hope. Um, hopefully the Browns offense and Freddie Kitchens can get their head out of their ass and make some plays against a tough Bills defense. And the Browns defense looks at times very good and then at other times awful. Um, maybe the Browns defense can show up and get to Josh Allen 
create some pressure. Um, they're going to have to be able to contain Devin Singletary, who has come on in the past couple weeks. Um, if they can do that, they have a chance back against the wall, really. Um, I think the Browns do come out and win this game and get a much-needed, important win to get them to 3-6 and six on the year. Next, the Rams go to the Steelers. I'm going to take the Rams in this one. I think that defense is going to be able to really limit the already limited Steelers offense. Um, They're going to get after Mason Rudolph. They're going to keep guys in front of them on the short passes that really Mason Rudolph only does. And uh, I think the Rams go to Pittsburgh and get the win. Next, you have the Lions at the Bears. I'm going to take the Bears in this one. They're due. They're, they're a pretty shitty team. Um, honestly, amazed they have three wins at the moment. But I'm going to go with the Bears defense being able to step up, make some plays. Um, Matthew Stafford is quietly having an amazing year. If they can get after him, force some pressure, um, try and force the run a little bit, which I know obviously the Bears can stop. I'm going to, on the other side of the ball, I'm going to, Hopefully see Mitchell Trubisky take a step forward to look like what he did last year against a Lions defense that isn't good, but it's not bad either. Like It's about the definition of bend, don't break. So hopefully uh, Matt Nagy and the rest of the Bears offense can get things clicking and maybe gain some momentum for the rest of the season starting against the Lions. So I take the Bears. Next, we have the Ravens going to the Bengals. The big news in this one, A.J. Green is going to be back. The 31-year-old had a ankle issue um, t- about two weeks before camp even started that has sidelined him this far. 31 years old in a contract year, but still probably went healthy. One of the best receivers in the league. Um, it's Finley's first game as a starting quarterback for the Bengals, so... That's going to be asking a lot of him to be able to beat a very sound, good Ravens defense that just went to Foxborough and was able to limit what Tom Brady was able to do. Um, It seems pretty cut and dry here. The Ravens go to Cincinnati and uh, probably beat the shit out of the Bengals. But um, if you're a Bengals fan, nice to see A.J. Green back on the field. Next, the Chiefs go to the Titans. Potentially, Patrick Mahomes comes back in this one. If he doesn't, I'm going to give a sneaky little pick here and take the Titans. If he does come back, though, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Um, there's, I think the Titans' defense is good enough to get after Matt Moore and pressure him and force some turnovers and force some bad throws. Um, but he, Matt Moore has looked very good under Andy Reid in the... Game he had to come in against the Packers, and then the entire game against the Vikings last week, he looked phenomenal. But I think the Titans have a chance to upset the Chiefs this week without Patrick Mahomes, so I'm going to go with the Titans in that case. Next show, the Falcons going to the Saints. There's not really much need of a breakdown here. The Falcons are bad, and the Saints are potentially the best team in the NFL. I'm going to go with the Saints over the Falcons. And what could quite possibly be the shittiest game on the schedule this week. You have the Giants going to the Jets. I will not be watching. Um, The Giants are two and a half point favorites. Let's just say fuck it and go with the Jets. Um, Maybe Sam Darnold comes out and looks a little bit better than what he has in the past, but uh, 
It's going to be a good running back matchup. I think the Jets' defense can be a little bit better at times than what the Giants is. Um, so maybe Jamal Adams and Quinn Williams have a couple big plays here and there, and that propels the Jets to a win. Next year, the Cardinals going to the Buccaneers. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers over the Cardinals in this one. Buccaneers' defense is extremely good. The offense has looked very good in the past couple weeks, um, even though Jameis Winston is still turning the ball over um, a little too much. But um, going to San Francisco in a tough environment and almost winning that game, that speaks. And I, I want to say it speaks a lot, but it is something to think about, and it is important. So I'm going to go with the Buccaneers over the Cardinals. Next, you have the Dolphins going to the Colts. Dolphins getting a win last week. Um, again, Dolphins are bad. Colts are really good. Even with Brian Hoyer at quarterback, I think the Colts still have a chance to win this game. Um, so I'm going to go with the Colts over the Dolphins. Next, you have the Panthers going to the Packers. I don't think, well, big news here is Cam Newton is on IR for the year, so it is now Kyle Allen's team. And Cam Newton may have played his last down in the Panthers uniform. I think for the Panthers, the worst thing that could have happened was what happened for the Packers last week, um, them getting blown out and smoked by uh, San Diego. Well, excuse me, by the Chargers. They're no longer San Diego. But um, I think that is going to serve as a real wake-up call for the Packers and expect a big day out of Christian McCaffrey but ultimately, the Packers do end up getting the victory. On Sunday night, you have the Vikings going to the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are the better team here. And Kirk Cousins is god-awful in primetime games. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys over the Vikings. And then Monday, the Monday night game, you have the Seahawks going to the undefeated 49ers. The only undefeated team left in the entire NFL. No one, I think, predicted that. But... A huge NFC West matchup. I'm going to actually go with the 49ers. I think the defense for the 49ers is quietly, um, not quietly, but extremely good. And in the grand scheme of things in the NFL, defense is not talked about enough. Yes, you know about Nick Bosa, but they have a ton of other talent on the D-line. Yes, they did just uh, put one of their best linebackers on IR. But that secondary for the 49ers is extremely good. Russell Wilson is probably going to go there and ball out. It's going to be a great game. But I think the 49ers, with uh, Shanahan and his play calling, that has been very good so far this year, exceptional the past couple weeks, and with Jimmy G and the rest of that team sort of having this chip on their shoulder and it being at the 49ers, I do think they do end up getting the win over the Seahawks on Monday night. As I mentioned before, that is going to do with the NFL talk. There were some college basketball games last night that I would like to talk about. Um... In the Champions Classic, Duke beat Kansas, and both of these teams really, um, they're good, they're talented, but underperformed last night. I wasn't impressed really by either of the two teams. I think it's going to be a pretty just standard year for both of them, probably flirting with a three, two, or one seed for Kansas. Same with Duke, probably flirting with a two or one seed all year. That's just what you've come to expect with those programs. In the late game, though, speaking a little bit about Kentucky and Michigan State, the one versus two, 
Kentucky, second in the country, was able to get the win thanks to Tyrese Maxey and his huge performance and I guess really you could say coming out party. My prediction was that Emmanuel quickly was going to outperform Cassius Winston, but really it was uh, Tyrese Maxey. Um, diving a little bit deeper, but not because it's only been one game and it's so hard to predict anything right now. But uh, the guard play for Kentucky was encouraging and good. Um, they really didn't roll out the three-guard lineup of Hagens quickly and Maxi until the very end. And when those three were on the court together, it looked very good. The big men play from EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards was and Sinista was it was do it was passable. It was serviceable. They're gonna need to improve and do a little bit better. But um, against a team that really didn't have a dominant big man. Um, in Michigan State, they did enough to not really be an eyesore or deter and take away from what Kentucky was trying to do. Sinista only finished with six rebounds, but at times it seemed like he was affecting the game in so many other ways. Um, it Again, it's super early. Um, you have to be encouraged, I guess, as a Kentucky fan right now with how well Maxi played. Hopefully he can continue to do that and continue to grow. Um, a couple other the freshmen, Keon Brooks, he got a few playing a few playing minutes. At times he looked a little lost. Um, I was excited to see him out there at the end in crunch time though because I love what he brings um, effort wise. Um, and Khalil Whitney, the dragon, again he doesn't really know right now. I think where he fits in, how to get his shots and everything, but that'll come with timing and more experience playing at the collegiate level. Um, all in all. I still think Michigan State is a very good team. Kentucky, um, both these teams are going to continue to develop and grow and get better. Um, Michigan State was without their second-best player in Langford. Um, not trying to take anything away from what Kentucky did because they really looked like the better team all of last, all of last night. Um, so encouraging that you have a player like Maxi who, after one game, looks like he's going to be able to go and get his own shot when things are... Um, a little bit stagnant, and Kentucky needs a bucket, which always nice. Kentucky guards were playing well. They were able to get to the rim, um, had some trouble finishing, but that should improve and continue to be worked on as the year goes on. Um, since talking about college basketball, Louisville also played last night, went down to Miami for an ACC game, and was able to get the win. Pretty much dominated um was without one of their key players. Uh, at the end, they did sort of let Miami sneak back and get some garbage points and get things closer. Um, not trying to nitpick things here, but it will probably come off that way. Um, but we have seen in the past under Chris Mack where Louisville ha- does have some problems and some issues closing out games, and it costs them against Virginia two years ago. It cost them against Duke last year. Um cost them uh, last year against Syracuse I believe and almost cost them against Clemson last year as well in the Yum Center so uh, nobody's really going to nitpick and talk about that issue a lot um, because of the performance from Louisville was so dominant but something from a very just watchful eye that should maybe be a little bit more concerning and everything both those teams now sort of have pretty easy schedule the rest of November until about early December um, when Louisville takes on Texas Tech and 
Kentucky has um, Ohio State um, later on in the month of December. Uh, since brought up Ohio State, they have a game tonight against Cincinnati, who has um, new coach, a very talented player in Cumberland, who was last year was able to get 22 points off against Ohio State. But this, yes, you should take this maybe with a grain of salt from an Ohio State fan. But uh, Ohio State, 18th in the country, is going to surprise some people this year. A bit of a dark horse, really, to win the Big Ten. Um, Caleb Weston is one of the better players in all of college basketball. And I think this year, I thought it was going to happen last year, but foul trouble and him, um, he wasn't out of shape by any means, but he's in much better shape this year. And... I think is going to understand the game and how to play it better defensively and be in better position and not pick up so many cheap ticky-tacky fouls and stuff that limit his playing minutes. Um, It's really going to take a step forward this year. He's gotten some preseason buzz by people on the wooden um, watch list as well, but I think he is going to take a step that... Jared Sollinger took from Sollinger's freshman to sophomore year where he was able to um, extend his game, get up three-pointers, make three-pointers, make guys defend him on the perimeter where he could dribble and drive and get into the lane uh, and make some jumpers at times. I think that's exactly what Caleb Weston is going to do and the type of game that he's going to have this year. Um, then you continue to look at Iowa State. You bring in DJ Carton, a five-star point guard, um, we also have C.J. Walker, the transfer from Florida State, that is now eligible after seeing out his year. Um, you bring Luther Muhammad, um, the defensive-minded point guard from last year in his second year. Um, Dwayne Washington, the sharpshooter in his second year. Uh, Kyle Young has looked pretty good so far in uh, what's it called in exhibition games. Andre Wesson, if he can, can develop a little bit more on offense, he's um, about a 10 and an 8 guy every night as well. Um, a lot to like about this Ohio State team, so I think they do uh, tonight get the win against Cincinnati and just watch Caleb Wesson's development, and that's really the storyline for me in this game is how well does he play and how does Chris Holtman stagger the guard play and the rotations that he's going to have to have and use in this game. All right, that does it for this week's Carson Sack. I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe, and everything on iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, appreciate you listening so much. I'll be back next week with a mail sack. Um, thank you for listening to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. And as we always end here on the sack, we will be seen. I'm so bossy, bitch, get off me. It's a different jingle when you hear these car keys. Your SL's missing an S, nigga. Your plane's missing a chef. The common theme, see, they both got wings. If you fly, do it to death. It's only one God and it's only one crown. So it's only one king that can stand on this mound. King push, king. Pin.